There we go. So, good morning, good morning. Oma Gyana Tzmerandasya Gyana Janashalakaya Chapshura Militam Yena Tazmai Shri Guravena Maha Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Manchakalpa Turubias Chakripa Sangabeva Chapitikanam Pavanibio Vaishnavibio Namunamaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Basadi Gorbaktavinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Okay, so we are on, gosh, we only have one more chapter of this canto. Amazing. This canto went quickly. And I think eight will also go quickly and nine will go quickly. And 10 will take us until we're 120 years old. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to 10. You're not? No, because no uh no uh Prabhupada purports. You well didn't have time to do that. After the 14th, up to the 14th chapter. Oh, we did part of 10? The first, oh, okay. So, the first 14 chapters. Oh, okay. So we can get into it with Prabhupada. That's good. Yes. Okay, that now I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, there you go. And it's not like the, the everything after that is just chopped cabbage. It's, uh, you know, his trained uh, disciples. Yeah. Um, plus, it's, you know, some of the most important chapters in the Bhagavatam. Okay. So we are right now uh, not anywhere near there yet. <laughs> we're on Canto 7, Chapter 14, and we're starting with verse 8. So hold on to your wallets as we discuss this part. <laughs> Uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 8 begins. One may claim proprietorship to, which mu to as much wealth as required to maintain body and soul together. But one who desires proprietorship over more than that must be considered a thief, and he deserves to be punished by the laws of nature. In the purport, Prabhupada writes that the demoniac person thinks, this is actually, um, you know, quoting from Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 16, verse 13. Well, wait, uh, before I read that, I think I had some comment that I wanted to make. Oh, so the idea is that we shouldn't cultivate a greedy mentality, but we should live by the maxim that Prabhupada used to like to quote, and I think it's from Mahatma Gandhi, uh, simple living and high thinking. And, you know, this doesn't go... It, 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 to some extent, at least, it cuts against the modern uh, ethic, right? That um, directly or indirectly through advertising, we used to call it Madison Avenue. I don't know if advertising firms are still on Madison Avenue in New York. Um, that um, we want to accumulate as much wealth as possible um, so we can get all kinds of cool things. Um, probably not all of them in the category of necessities. So in that regard, um, we will read this. So the demoniac person thinks, so much wealth do I have today, and I will gain more according to my schemes. So much is mine now, and it will increase in the future more and more. The asura, uh, which means a demoniac person, is concerned with how much wealth he has in the bank today and how much it will increase tomorrow. 
<clears throat> but unrestricted accumulation of wealth is not permitted either by the Shastra or in the modern age by the government. Actually, it depends on the government, right? <laughs> Actually, if one has more than one requires for his necessities, the extra money should be spent for Krishna. And then Prabhupada goes on a few, another little later. The Grihasta, married person, should give contributions for constructing temples of the Supreme Lord and for preaching of Srimad Bhagavad Gita or Krishna consciousness all over the world. Now, this is interesting. He, 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 there's almost like a little aside here glorifying the Bhagavad Gita, not specifically about money, but you get the idea that he's talking about distributing Bhagavad Gita's around the world. Because um, then he says in uh, uh, Srinvan Bhagavato, Bhikshnam Avatara Katamritam. In the Shastra, the Puranas and other Vedic literatures, there are so many narrations describing the transcendental activities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and everyone should hear them again and again. For example, if we read the entire Bhagavad Gita every day, all 18 chapters, in each reading we shall find a new explanation. And I certainly don't read 18 chapters every day, but I have probably read it 20, 25 times. Um, and I, 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 this is my experience. So he's like, oh, I, don't, I didn't remember that. That's cool, you know, like that. But that, that is the nature of transcendental literature. So then he goes back to the money. <laughs> the Krishna conscious movement, therefore, almost like therefore, because literature is so transcendental, affords one an opportunity to spend his extra earnings for the benefit of all human society by expanding Krishna consciousness. In India, especially, we see hundreds and thousands of temples that were constructed by the wealthy men of society who do not want to be called thieves and be punished. <laughs> so <laughs> it means maybe that not all of them had the absolute, you know, the pure motive of just wanting to please God, but at least they didn't want to be called thieves and be punished. <laughs> This verse is very important. As stated here, one who accumulates more money than is needed is a thief. Well, let me uh, let the patient. And by the laws of nature, he will be punished. One who acquires more money than necessary becomes desirous of enjoying material comforts more and more. Now that's, you see the connection there? You get more money, you want material comforts. But, and then this is uh, a critique of modern society. Materialists are inventing so many artificial necessities and those who have money being allured by such artificial necessities try to accumulate money to possess more and more. This is the idea of modern economic development. So, um, yeah, <laughs> but when it, 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 if we look at the world, we try to look at the world through Prabhupada's eyes, um, and uh, welcome Jiva and Nandarupa and Rupesh, Hare Krishna. Um, and he sees through the eyes of Shastri, also sees through his own experience. And you see that it's, it takes some discernment to consider what's a necessity and what's a, uh, a luxury, but also I think there's a third category for devotees. What may help them in their service or um, save them time that they can use better in other ways? Like I was at a, 
devotee's house recently and they have one of those um, machines that just clean the floor for you. You just press it and it goes all around the room, bumping into everything and cleaning it. <laughs> now, I can imagine Prabhupada seeing that and saying, when did a, a broom and a mop uh, get passe? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, do you really need to, I don't know what they cost, maybe $200. Did you really need to spend that money on that? when you could easily just, you know, get a, a $5 or $10 broom and a $20 mop and, you know, be on with it, right? <laughs> like that. And, and if we think about it, there's, uh, there's um, if you think of a big circle, there's wants, there's needs, and then there's necessities. The smallest being necessity, right? You need food, shelter, and clothing. Right. And then, you know, things that we say, well, no, I really need that. You know, uh, probably most of us need a car. Right. Um, unless we, of course, you don't, not everyone, if you live in Manhattan, you probably don't want to have a car. Right. I can, you know, if you, if you live in Adams Morgan, you probably don't want to have a car. Um, you want to use the metro and uh, et cetera, like that. But it, it's just, we, my, what, I, what I'm trying to say is, we have grown accustomed to a culture and most of us were pretty much born into it. Um, and it's not the only way of seeing things. <laughs> How does that, is that, is that a reasonable way to look at it? Um, and that one can live quite peacefully sometimes with, with less things. Just like if you were to go, um, let's see, uh, onto, uh, Amazon.com right now, right? Uh, and it's going to tell you all these things. Gifts for gamers, early Black Friday deals, uh, deals on top brands, gifts to glide, and then, you know, uh, early Black Friday, holiday prep shop, holiday toilets, fashion gifts, beauty gifts, you know, <laughs> if they really, and of course, all custom to, you know, things that I've purchased there in the past um so it's 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 a for a, de, uh, a devotee or a practicing spiritualist it is a good idea to examine the difference between um especially needs and wants and and see um if any of the wants distract us from our krishna consciousness that makes sense. Some questions, comments on this? Well, I think it's a little even more pernicious than uh, Prabhupada is pointing out because all these things are actually tied to needs. Okay. Like cell phone people, we live with other people. We want to communicate, right? So it's tied to that basic need. And uh, like if you go in any of the stores now, it's Christmas. It's all done up for Christmas and people like ritual. So they taken the the want or the almost the need for that ritual which happens at the end of december for some people right and and try to pull everybody into it right with marketing so they're tying it to what there's a very fine line between wants and needs ah very good I like that. yeah so it's even a little bit more per, pernicious they tie it to basic needs like facebook people want to have community they want to communicate right 
Facebook said, well, let's find a way to get them so they can't, it's like crack cocaine. They can't get away from this, you know? Uh, they try to take that need and, and make it a, a even more intense want. So, yeah, just that, yeah. Uh, good analysis. Thank you, Andy. Other thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, we do need a certain amount of stuff, actually. I think, you know, I was just actually listening to a, a, someone speaking this morning on the Bhagavatam, and they were talking about that we do have some needs and we can't just re renounce everything. So I guess we have to figure out what we really need to keep us our consciousness um, calm enough that we can really practice Krishna consciousness. Because if we go too far and give up too much stuff and, you know, artificially renunciate, then maybe we'll, we'll become agitated and won't be able to practice properly. Right. Good point. Yes. So it's a balance and, and it's also different situations. Uh, and I'm just looking at the World Bank website. Nearly half the world lives on less than $5.50 a day. Nearly half of, of human beings on this planet. $5.50 a day. Now, you know, we probably spend $5.50 a day on without even thinking about it, right? On, you know, whatever. I won't, you know, if you like Starbucks, you know, one latte will cost yeah, that much, right? Um, but that, but you're, but it's a good point that renunciation is, is a relative thing. It's a relative. Um, I was going to read also Isha Upanishad. So this is, this is kind of the, phil the philosophical underpinning. It says, uh, the famous verse, it's verse number one, uh, everything animate and inanimate that is within the universe is controlled and owned by the Lord. One should therefore accept only those things necessary for himself, which are set aside as his quota, and should not uh, accept things, no, uh, other things knowing well to whom they belong. And in the purport, Prabhupada writes that one should therefore be intelligent enough to know that except for the Lord, no one is the proprietor of anything. Right? So that, that bank balance and everything, you know, it's with us now, and it's gone after, we, after our demise. It, it never really was ours. It was always the Lord's. One should accept only those things that are set aside by the Lord as his quota. Take, for example, our dwelling, which is made of earth, wood, stone, iron, cement, and so many other material things. If we think in terms of Sri Ishopanishad, we must know that we cannot, we cannot produce any of these building materials ourselves. We can simply bring them together and transform them into different shapes by our labor. A laborer cannot claim to be the proprietor of a thing just because he has worked hard to manufacture it. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? I thought that was really a beautiful passage. Um, yeah. Okay. Anything else on this? There's more about these. I noticed in that passage, it said, according to, I think, his or her quota. Right. Um, almost suggesting, well, clearly some people have been designated a higher or lower quota. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I it'd be interesting to know what exactly he meant by that. Well, uh, I think that's a fair statement. According to our karma, you know, we may be, uh, born into a wealthy family or born into a culture that, you know, um, um, values education and people get a good education, then they get a good, you know, well-paying job or they're 
good business people. And then others are born into, you know, in a village um, and, you know, and have a much, mm-hmm. let's say a smaller quota. Right. So I think, yeah. Um, there are places where Prabhupada will, you know, give very, you know, strong statements quoting Rupa Goswami that 50% of one's wealth should be used in Krishna service. Um, and especially that was for people who were like, you know, initiated by him. Um, but it, I think in general, it's, it's also a question of sitting down and actually just thinking about such things practically. Now we were going to get to this a little later, but I can get to it now that um, like for myself, I would like to have a lot of money. Uh, well, if I had enough money, I would quit my job tomorrow and do just service for Krishna 100%. And what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to calculate, can I retire uh, my next birthday? And will there be enough to just, so I just don't have to, uh, you know, be in anxiety. Oh, why did I quit my job? I, you know, it, it, you know and like that, that's my, but I want to do service. It's not that I want to you know, accumulate money so I can buy a Tesla and, you know, and not, not that there's anything wrong with a Tesla, but you know, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's um, in one sense, I think for devotees who have jobs outside a pension or a 401k is a good thing, right? Cause generally you're not supposed to touch your pension, right? While you're, while it's accumulating. And if you know, you have some, a good pension coming, a reasonable pension coming to you, at the end of your uh, career, then you can retire timely and dedicate the rest of your life to, to Krishna. And it's a shame that America has one of the worst pension program, you know, just in general, it's like, it's, I think, anyway, it's not, not the Netherlands um, uh, is I think number one. And there's, you know, a lot of those countries in Northern Europe have very good <clears throat> kind of social, um, networks for that but not social network social what's i forget the word safety right? net safety, yeah, net. safety net yeah they they, yeah. they do but I, I question whether they're tenable over the long term i know like even norway they have a huge one but even they're worried about their you know their oil assets uh, which are soon to be depleted whether or not they'll be able to maintain that sure. welcome to the material world right and then and in america they're saying social security may run out by what 2000 and 33 or something like that, or 30, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know, um, <clears throat> right. But I, just in practical terms, it's, it's um, for people who want to do full-time devotional service, then they may be thinking a little differently than, you know, a person who's just wants to travel the world or whatever, or, you know? Yeah. So let's go on to the next verse, text number nine, um, chapter, Canto seven, chapter 14. Uh, one should treat animals such as deer, camel, asses, monkeys, mice, snakes, birds, and flies exactly like one's own son. How little difference there actually is between children and these innocent animals. And Prabhupada writes, unfortunately, modern, one sentence, unfortunately, modern society has devised many means for killing animals in different forms of life. And then a little later, every living entity should be nourished by the food given by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Human society should not consider itself the only enjoyer of all the properties of God. Rather, men should understand that all the other animals also have a claim to God's property. Now, how many people think like that? But isn't that a beautiful statement? 
Human society should not consider itself the only enjoyer of all the properties of God. Rather, men should understand that all the other animals also have a claim to God's property. Uh, and then in later Prabhupada writes, in modern days, people are very much inclined towards communistic ideal ideas of society, but we do not think that they can be any better communistic idea than that which is explained in this verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Even in the communistic countries, the poor animals are killed without consideration, although they also should have the right to take their allotted food with which to live. <clears throat> so animals also have the right to live and human beings, we're the de, uh, the de facto proprietors of the earth. And we should think of all other creatures as brothers with Krishna as the universal father. So just like, you know, an elder brother, especially in uh, traditional society, the elder brother represents their father to the younger siblings. So in the same way, human beings should represent Krishna to other beings by caring for them and not exploiting. And one of the previous acharyas, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, just as one divides food amongst one's sons, one should also give food to the animal. And uh, it reminds me, um, Srila Prabhupada's father had a cloth business. And before they would leave every night, he would put out rice for the mice. And I think also so that they wouldn't eat the cloth, but, that, but still he would feed the <laughs> mice every night like that. So what a different view um, uh, towards animals that, that you know, we're, we're, we are the, you know, the proprietors, but, or, or you know, we have control over, over, over the planet to some extent, at least. And we should take care of our poor brothers and sisters in animal bodies. Um, and so Prabhupada would talk about real communism is um, considering that all praja are members of the society. And he'd include the word praja, which means citizen, uh, as the animals as well. So some thoughts on this point about seeing, uh, yeah, that we have this responsibility in the human form of life. And with that responsibility comes uh, acting with compassion and care for those that might not get it otherwise, like the animals. I think that most people don't believe this. Really? You think? <laughs> In any religion. In any religion. And then what do you mean? all religions. They don't really believe it. Because they'll get like ants in their house and they'll call an exterminator and have them dump a bunch of poison in there and everything because that, oh yeah, I can't have ants, right? So they don't, when it comes down to it, they don't really believe it. Or even, uh, you know, I could go on and on, but even like I found out that, like I have a pretty big yard, like half an acre. If you create like little wild areas, all kinds of critters will be attracted to it. There'll be birds all over it. We have rabbits in this area and they, go through that and everything and it doesn't it just takes a little bit of time and attention to create something that's not too like you don't want the county coming in you know you don't want neck high weeds in your yard right but if you just put some, like a pile of rocks down 
only grasses that can grow up through that will come up. So you won't have a bunch of unsightly stuff, just these nice grasses. And then uh, some branches and everything fall down or you leave them there and then you'll find that all kinds of critters and birds will be in there. And it's nice. And there's probably millions of insects in there, but the birds are eating them. So everything works out. And I, I think most people don't take the time to think about how to do this because they don't even really care about it. That's just my others. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, I think it's true. Uh, <laughs> we had of all things, a lot of, uh, not a lot, but like, like ladybugs that somehow gotten into this little um, sunroom of ours. And of course, ladybugs are not only are they not dangerous, but they're not even like off-putting you know what i mean so i just sort of grabbed them and aura watched me throw them outside but uh, i don't know i i think like the whole material uh world kind of feeds on itself you know we have these elaborate houses and you know by nature of owning that now you have to you know you're not going to allow a row of you know answer pretty intrusive once they're <laughs> they're in your house so you know you're 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 gonna get rid of them that's no matter who you are and uh, i mean it's it's definitely not right i'm just saying i guess the point that i'm trying to make is, is that i i feel like the material the, the attempt to defeat like your material inclinations or whatever whatever it's very much all or all or none it's almost impossible to do halfway you know what i mean because um, if you have one thing you go ahead i'm sorry i cut you off yeah you know if you have a few things well now you gotta take care of them this and that uh, you know like you, you have a nice house well i mean in most cases people uh don't do that but you know they gotta mow the lawn and, um it just seems like a kind of karmic um vortex that you put yourself in you know <laughs> I, I almost feel like that's a lot of the point of the movement you know there's there's so many um karmas and you know they're beyond our comprehension so that to the greatest extent possible you effectively try to extricate yourself from them but you know i mean uh, even even having family i mean that's something that seems so you know no one in the western world or really the world period whatever consider that to be um, unvirtuous, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term. But let's face it, they, they suck you into this material vortex also. Um, <laughs> you know, you have a wife who's maybe not entirely on board with some of the, um, I'm not talking about myself, by the way, but, or just, you know what I mean? The, the members of your family, you know, require material necessities as defined by you know, society at large. And, you know, you're sort of beholden to that. It's, it's a, a tough predicament, I guess is what I'm saying. I liked your sentence, your half a sentence where you say you do the best you can. Because I think, yeah. you know, you know, you drive a car, you're going to run over some ants or yeah. that, or, or, you know, there may be some practical consideration. When there were rats in the kitchen at a temple, Prabhupada said that that's because you're not keeping it clean. Right. And uh, he didn't tell them to kill the rats. He said, clean them, keep the place spotlessly yeah. clean. And you can go about procuring a lot of glass jars with metal lids. Yeah. And the mice will have no way to get to the 
foods. They just will go away. But you have to take the time to do that extra step. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people would read this and say how, oh, that's so nice. And they, they like the idea theoretically. Um, a lot of people would have more trouble really trying to change their life <laughs> to live it like this. Other thoughts? Uh, we have so many devotees on the call today. Okay. Um, so then let's carry on. With the next verse we we're going to look at is verse 14. Uh, text 10. Even if one is a householder rather than a brahmachari, a sannyasi, or a vanaprastha, one should not endeavor very hard for religiosity, economic development, or satisfaction of the senses. Even in householder life, one should be satisfied to maintain body and soul together with whatever is available with minimal endeavor according to place and time by the grace of the Lord. One should not engage oneself in ugra karma. Uh, ugra karma, um, I don't think it's actually there in the Sanskrit, but it's... Um, um, yeah, just get working a job or something that is, you know, against our principles or, you know, it's just part of, you know, the, uh, yeah, you know, um, you know, like Prabhupada was, uh, I could imagine what factories he saw. He said, factory is another name for help. <laughs> I can imagine the factories in India in the forties and fifties, they must be pretty tough places. Uh, text 11, dogs, fallen persons, and untouchables, including chandalas, should all be maintained with their proper necessities, which should be contributed by the householders. Even one's wife at home, with whom one is most intimately attached, should be offered for the reception of guests and people in general. So one runs one's whole household in service, in service to, to others. Text 12. One so, one so seriously considers one's wife to be his own that he sometimes kills himself or her for her or kills others, including even his parents or his spiritual master or teacher. Therefore, if one can give up his attachment to such a wife, he conquers the supreme personality of God who is never conquered by anyone. Now, of course, if a wife, you know, anyway, we won't go into whole details there. That could be a whole discussion. Through proper deliberation, one should give up attach attraction to his wife's body because that body will ultimately be transformed into small insects, stool, or ashes. What is the value of this insignificant body? How much greater is the supreme being who is all pervaded like the sky? So um, I was just listening to some quote uh, who was remembering Srila Prabhupada. Um, and it was, it was kind of about this point. And I can't remember the exact point, but he was kind of like saying something like the left hand and arm are important, the right left and arm are important. Um, but both uh, uh, prosper when food is um, given to the stomach. And as, so his point being that, that the real, uh, that relationship between husband and wife should be connected with Krishna. And then 14, an intelligent person should be satisfied by eating prasad, food offered to the Lord, or with performing the five different kinds of yagna, pancha shuna. By such activities, one can give up attachment for the body and so-called proprietorship with reference to the body. When one is able to do this, he is firmly fixed in the position of a maha. So 
um, at the end of the purport, Prabhupada writes that all created things in the sky, in the air, on land or in the sea belong to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And every living being is provided with food. Therefore, one should not be very much anxious about economic development and unnecessarily waste time and energy with the risk of falling down in the cycle of birth and death. So keeping the eye on, on the goal, the goal of life, of developing our love for Krishna, and then accepting our, uh, I forget the word that uh, Dean used, it wasn't entanglement, but it was something like that. Our entanglement with this world, um, referencing the goal when deciding how to how one wants to deal with with this world. How does that sound? Checking my notes here. Yeah, so in these verses that we just read, you know, um, do we actually, you know, this is kind of questions coming, do we actually know and love those who actually give life to the bodies to which we are so attached? So investing our, if we invest our full physical, mental, emotional energy and remaining attached to our body and the bodies of others, um, that can, if that's our full engagement, that can hurt our chances at spiritual advancement. So in this context, stress uh, of stressing our eternal benefit over the temporary, Prabhupada talks about, um, in that sense, reducing our attachment to other things. Mm. So the, the real point is increasing our attachment to Krishna. And then everything else kind of falls into place. Um, let me see my, any other notes here. Oh, so just to give a little summary of what we've heard so far in this chapter, um, we're summarizing Narada Muni's instructions on household life in this chapter. And he's, the first few verses that we covered a few weeks ago was about getting saintly association. And that's the key to a successful family life. Hear, hearing from and serving saintly people. And then what we heard about a lot today, especially in verses 9, 11, 12, and 13, is detachment and service. That um, we should that we should become attached to Krishna. And then, like I just said, our attachment to family members, etc., it falls into the right, right perspective. And the other point that we've been hearing is about simple living, that, uh, that we should live as householders, live simply and uh, open-heartedly with detachment, worship Krishna. And that will free us from over-endeavoring for material gain and encourage us to accumulate as much wealth as we require. So any questions, comments on 14 or the, what we've covered so far in this chapter? I have a question that's tangentially related anyway. Um, okay. I, I've read in a couple different places, never in, the, in any of the scriptures themselves, but um, you know, people, I guess devotees state that, um, and I think I've mentioned this before but that uh this high technology that we have in this world um is actually a function of uh kali yuga that in the other yugas it may or may not actually exist and it's actually kind of a, a function of our obsessiveness with material comforts and whatnot so we you know apply all this intelligence and create 
to to making things comfortable and, and easier and, and this and that so that there's almost this paradoxical uh, visions formed in my head where in previous yugas life was simpler um and you know not as hustle and bustle but perhaps not as um you know wouldn't people wouldn't be driving around in cars and have their you know <laughs> smartphones and things like that which actually just serve as distractions wondering if you had ever heard that it seemed very interesting to me I, i've never really heard um i mean there definitely were cities definitely are cities you know krishna mm -hmm. lived in the city of dwarka mm -hmm. and there's definitely cities you know um so that's that was there and then, you know, whenever there's cities you know you need everything from how to deal with the sewage to you know how to feed everyone yeah. and you know and transportation for food you know so um, it's tough to say yeah. the main thing that we learn is the um focus on spirituality mm -hmm. so it may have been you know i, I it may have been more uh we we do read about um would Jeeva Tupper put something in the um, in the chat here? Oh, thank you. But uh, over endeavoring for things, um, we we read about more subtle forms of technology, <laughs> um, either on higher planets or in earlier yugas. But the main thing we learn about is um, the the pious nature of people. And how it was more pious, and much it was very pious in Satya Yuga, um, and then coming down, Treta, Dwarpara, and then Kali, like that. Um, so I, I, I can't re recall immediately, but just like for example in the Battle of Kurukshetra, um, Dhritarashtra is hearing everything that took place on the battlefield. Um, but he's not any, first of all, he's blind. And second of all, he's not nowhere near the battlefield, but rather Sanjaya, um, as Prabhupada calls it through his uh, internal television, is seeing the, you know, uh, is seeing everything on this vast battlefield all at once. Mm -hmm. And then, and then later in the 11th chapter of the Gita, we see that Krishna gives Arjuna the eyes to, see the universal form right mm -hmm. and that the uh the there's airplanes right for the the demigods and things so there, i think there's a lot of you know it's um an enjoyment of course it's still the material world so there's enjoyment but the enjoyment is more subtle you know um it's kind of you know the difference i like to give is that uh maybe the difference between you know uh, there's a big difference between I don't know why heavy metal music and Mozart. Right? Mm -hmm. And one could say, I'm not going to get the whole um, comparison of music, but one could say that, that the classical music is more subtle. And um, uh, I don't even know the bands, but ACDC or, you know, Death Leopard or whatever. <laughs> right. We do actually have a flute player on the call today. We have Rupesh. Uh, so you know, there's, 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 you know, that and that's can be, a, of course, Krishna played the flute. Um, so those are just a few things. But but I think a lot of the most of the discussion is about the level of piety, mm -hmm. spirituality. But there is descriptions about Kali Yuga, now, uh, especially in the twelfth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, 
that um, one can see often playing out. And then there's also coming attractions, which aren't very inspiring. Okay. Other thoughts on this? Yeah, in the, the previous years, the mindset was more mostly Sarva Krishna. Majority of the people have that. In Kalyug, we can see majority of the people, they just want to serve their senses rather than uh, Sarva Krishna. They don't even have knowledge of uh, Krishna. And, you know, or even if it is, it's in some very limited form. You know, like we uh, learned in the Gita, about V karma, uh, karmakand, sakam karm, nishkam karm, a karm. We'll, majority of the population tends to be in the V karma range, or maybe if they feel a little bit religiosity, they'll go into the karmakand mode where they will follow some uh, rituals, ritualistic ceremonies, and, and then they'll say, okay, that makes us religious. but you know, that's sort of like, uh, or Prabhupada said, that's compared to analogous to uh, taking your medicine, but not changing behavior. You know, for example, certain uh, medical conditions require medicine plus behavioral adjustments or changes. So he was comparing it to that. Yeah, I, I agree with you to some extent, Prabhu. Um, I, it's still, there's still the material world. So yeah, it's still a real Satya Yuga, Dwarpa Yuga, still Krishna Bhuli Sejiva, Nadia Bahir Mukta. We've still turned mm -hmm. our back on Krishna. Um, that's why I, I was careful to use the word pious. Mm -hmm. They were more good people, but not necessarily 100% spiritual, so they'd be in the spiritual world rather than in the mm -hmm. world. Yeah, but, in the previous ages, majority of the people had the mindset that they have to serve Krishna somehow. Yeah, right. Yes, they might they, be they had that, a bunch of yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they may not be able to do it, but at least they had that understanding mindset. Whereas in Kalyug, majority of the people, they don't even think in, in, the, in that regard. Right. And still we see that, we read that, you know, demigods are lining up to take birth in Kalyuga because simply by chanting God, uh, God's holy names, uh, one can achieve perfection. Mm -hmm. All right, shall we carry on unless there's other points? Um, and Shiva Prabhu has put in the chat from the Nectar of Instruction the, those things that are favorable to Bhakti and those things that are unfavorable to Bhakti. Okay, good. So we are on 15 and we're going up till 24. Okay. Every, so now what we need to know is about the um, context here, okay, of these, of these upcoming verses. And um, these are often Vedic methods for using one's possessions to please the Lord. But often they are, um, they're not necessarily pure devotional service. They are different pious Vedic ways. So for people who aren't practicing pure devotional service, they may do these things, but a devotee will see in some of the purports, it's a little different. Although, and as Mun was just saying, it is some connection to the Lord, as you'll see, like in this verse. Every day one should worship the Supreme Being, there you go, who is situated in everyone's heart. And on this basis, one should separately worship the demigods, the saintly persons, ordinary human beings, and living entities, one's forefathers, and oneself. In this way, one is able to worship the Supreme Being in the core of 
uh, everyone's heart. When one is enriched with wealth and knowledge, so if you have a lot of wealth and knowledge, uh, which are under the, his full control and by means of which he can perform yagna or please the Supreme Personality of God, and one must perform sacrifices, offer oblations to the fire, oblations to the fire, according to the directions of Shastra. In this way, one should worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And um, again, this is not always direct bhakti, it's, but it's connected to the Lord. Um, so in 17, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna is the enjoyer of sacrificial offerings. Yet, although his Lordship eats the oblations offered in the fire, my dear King, he is still more satisfied with nice food made of grains and ghee and is offered to him through the mouths of qualified brahmanas. So here we're almost seeing that serving the Lord's devotees is a greater service than serving, than serving the Lord. Uh, 18. Therefore, my dear king, first offer prasad unto the brahmans and the demigods, and after sumptuously feeding them, you may distribute prasad to all living entities according to your ability. In this way, you will be able to worship all living entities, or in other words, the supreme living entity within every living entity. A brahmana who is sufficiently rich must offer oblations to the forefathers during the dark moon fortnight in the latter part of the month of Bhadra. Similarly, he should offer oblations to the relatives of the forefathers during the Mahalaya ceremonies in the month of Ashwini. More about this. One should perform the Shadha ceremony on the Makara Sankranti, uh, the day when the sun begins to move north, or on the Karkata Sankranti, the day when the sun begins to move south. One should also perform the ceremony on the Mesha Sankranti day and on the Tula Sankranti day, in the yoga named Vyatipata, on that day in which three lunar titis are conjoined. During the eclipse of either the moon or the sun, on the 12th lunar day, and in the Shravana Nakshatra. One should perform this ceremony on the Akshaya Tritiya day, on the ninth lunar day of the bright fortnight in the month of Kartika. On the four, on the four, uh, Ashtakas in the winter season and cool season and on the seventh lunar day of the bright fortnight of the month of Magha during the conjunction of Magha Nakshatra and the full moon day and on days when the moon is completely full or not quite completely full when these days are conjoined with the nakshatras from which the names of certain months are derived. One should also perform the Shadha ceremony on the 12th lunar day, when it is in conjunction with any of the nakshatras called Anuradha, Shravana, Uttara Palguni, uh, Uttara Sadha, or Uttara Bhadrapada. Again, one should perform these, this ceremony when the 11th lunar day is in the conjunction with either Uttara Palguni, Uttara Sadha, or Uttara Bhadrapada. Finally, one should perform this ceremony on days conjoined with one's birth star, Jama Nakshatra, or the Shravana Nakshatra. Wow. Uh, okay. Uh, all these, 24, all these seasonal times are considered extremely auspicious for humanity. 
at such times one should perform all auspicious activities, for by such activities a human being attains success in a short duration of life. Okay, now let's put this into perspective with the purport. <laughs> when one comes to the human form of life through natural evolution, one must then take the responsibility for further progress. Okay, that's straightforward. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, yanti teva prata devan. One who worships the demigods can be promoted to their planets. Yanti majajinopinam. And one who practices devotional service of the Lord he goes back home, back to God. In the human form of life, therefore, one is meant to act auspiciously, which is what we heard ahead above, in order to return home back to Godhead. Devotional, and here's the key sentence. Devotional service, however, does not depend on material conditions. Of course, for those who are engaged, in, which means one uh, um one's, there's no material cause. Of course, for those who are engaged in fruitive activities on the material platform, the times and seasons mentioned above are extremely congenial. So fruitive activities means karmakanda. So one who's not on the level trying to perform bhakti has to take all those things we read into consideration. But for the devotee, um, they just have to remember Krishna and perform devotional service and everything becomes auspicious. So practically speaking, if we hear details like we heard in uh, 20 to 23, and if it's not difficult, we can follow them, you know. But the point is, the, the, the crux of the issue is where is our faith? Is our faith in, you know, these material, well, material, you know, these, these details that you have to do this at this time or that at that time in this place? And all that, or is our faith in Krishna, who um, is in our heart and who reciprocates with our devotion and who is only known by devotion. So that's the crux of the issue, because this applies to so many things, right? When we're building a house, are we going to uh, consult Vastu Shastra, right? Um, and, and, and so many kind of Vedic things of that nature, these come up a lot, especially as devotees become more familiar with the different aspects of the Vedas. And, and my understanding is uh, we respect them because they're part of the Vedas. And if it's practical in and favorable for Krishna's service to take up some of these details, then one will do that. But one's faith is not in the, the Vedic uh, details for karma kanda or or fruit of activity section of the Vedas. The faith is in the um, that boy who steals uh, makan, who steals yogurt and butter, and who um, broke his own promise to uh, protect his devotee when he chased after Bhishma Dev. And you know that this is our faith is in that person, Krishna. So we may follow different things. Uh, we look, may look at astrology. We may look at Vastu and things like that. But we don't guide our entire life by that. Our entire life is guided in a much more um, practical and meaningful way through devotion. Okay. So I said a lot there. Some comments, questions on that? Uh, I have a question. Uh, so this is uh, one of... 
you know, there, there's some mention here of sort of astrological, excuse me, astronomical events um, that you coincide with certain, carrying out certain, uh, you know, ceremonies and whatnot. Um, are, and, and my understanding is there's a lot, lot of like astrology and, and other texts and, and whatnot. Um, do you find that are the uh, descriptions of astronomical events accurate? Like they actually coincide with with um, <laughs> real things. I, I mean, I'm sure this one does, right? Because it's well, it, it's hard to find a good astrologer uh, uh-huh. in Kali Yuga. Um, we're talking about Kali with you know, point, Mun was talking about the right. Kali Yuga. Yeah, it's like this, this would fall under some of the arts that have been lost, right? That, yeah, well, lost or at least it's hard to find the real deal. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I've been to a few astrologers in my day living in India. Sometimes they say very different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've also, um, um, I know this one sannyasi who's an astrologer. He doesn't, um, you know, good astrologers or, you know, they'll also have a little bit of good sense of bedside manner, you know, uh, like a doctor in the old days, right? Uh, but this one would be, <laughs> he was a sannyasi, so he would say things like, well, has something really terrible happened to you? Like, you, you know, you, you know, you know, some really, you got in a terrible accident? And the person would say, uh, no, he said, oh, probably coming soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but the, the fact that in, in material, you know, Krishna can, like, like Prahlad Maharaj, he said that he wants to be, you know, the, the planets have an influence on us. And how, when we were born and the, um, and the const, how the planets were set up at the time of our birth is not accidental. Mm-hmm. It's all connected with our, with our karmic life. Um, and they're called, what are they called? Grahi, is that right? Um, uh, we have some devotees on this call who would know that, you know, the different influences of the planets. And Prahlad Maharaj, now he's a pure devotee, right? So he says, I want to be influenced by the Krishna planet, <laughs> which is not one of the, you know, 10 or 11 planets that we, you know, right. Saturn, Neptune, et cetera, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of ultimately, one time probably said, yes, let's, let's check with an astrologer. Let's have some fun. That's what he said, <laughs> uh, you know, because they were trying to decide. That was when he was in really ill health and about to leave this world and, you know, like that. So, so unfortunately, all these things have lost some of their potency, even Ayurvedic medicine, for example, right? Um, it's great. You know, it, it's created by an incarnation of God, a Dhanvantari avatar, and it's like one way that uh, I don't know. Again, I, I you know maybe others have a different opinion about this, uh, but um, one one way to look at that some people look at Ayurveda is it's really good for your health when you're not sick. It can really make you strong and this and that. But sometimes it doesn't. In have, other words, it's preventive. Well, yeah, it, you know, using it for a acute um, thing may be uh, challenging. Now, some you know some people. But it is Vedic, and it is um, in, in the ideal sense when you can really get the original right organic herbs. You know, it, it's fantastic. It'd be fantastic, but you know, 
when I had open heart surgery, you know, I don't think there was anything Ayurvedic that was going to have the, uh, the valve in my heart close. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> so, so our, our focus is, you know, primarily on what Pallad Maharaj is saying, you know, that I want to be influenced by the Krishna factor, right? But we have respect uh, for Vedic sciences. Um, it's just sometimes hard to find a good way to practice them. I don't know if uh, Jiva or Rupesh, uh, Shishu, people from India, they, if they have uh, uh, some comments on this, but that, that's, you know, I, I used to go to this one Triguna in Delhi, um, who was very good at the, what is it called, Nidan, very good at taking your pulse and just by taking your pulse, knowing your illness. I don't know how good his medicine was. You know, again, how, you know, the herbs and stuff, but he, he, you know, he was a real deal. He could really diagnose quite well with uh, taking your pulse. Any, any thoughts on this? It's kind, it's kind of connection of, you know, Vedic vis-a-vis uh, -vis devotional. Okay. So did that answer your question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then. Hare Krishna. Oh yeah. Yes. Jiva so yeah, Ayurveda again has three main branches to it. The first two are generally, you know, make you strong. The first one, and then the second branch is focused on uh, most of the common diseases, addressing those. So the advantage of Ayurveda medicine and those two branches is it does not have any negative or adverse reaction. Third one is where life-threatening scenarios is the third branch where it uses some uh, medicines which, if not properly administered, can cause serious uh, reactions, right? Uh, example is given that even the tip of the needle worth of uh, poison of uh, you know, scorpion is used in some of the medicine, mercury is used in some of the medicine, and uh, they have to be administered by an expert physician. Right. So again, if we don't follow the instructions, and you know, again, they have a similar uh, stream of, it's kind of like Srila Prabhupada mostly referred to as like artisans, you know, Shilpi's uh, profession. So if you follow the instructions uh, as being laid out in the, in the science, in the medicine science, in Ayurveda, that helps. If you beat a little and the third branch, it can harm. And Srila Prabhupada, when he was administered medicine, mercury was a little larger in quantity, which actually made his health worse. And that was discovered later. You know, and he did not like that, you know, such and such physician was brought in who was not very much educated well in Ayurveda. Right. So... And I've even seen the second thing, you know, it's just, it's just a problem of finding um, the real deal in terms of the medicine. I've known devotees who have gotten sick by taking Ayurvedic medicine because it wasn't, the medicine wasn't of the quality. So, uh, such is life. Welcome to the material world. So, uh, like so many things, uh, one should be practical and uh, deal with things as best they can. But the, but I, I always, but I do maintain a, a strong respect for the original, you know, good, you know, that that's astrology is a science 
um, of the, the planets do have an influence. Um, and, and there, you know, Dhanvantari was an incarnation of Krishna who gave Ayurveda. Um, and just how well they can be practiced in Kali Yuga is another, it's a whole another discussion, which I'm sure there's 55,000 different opinions. So then again, back to the essential point uh, is like Prahlad Maharaj, that we want to be influenced by the Krishna uh, Grahi. Uh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and that's again the main point of this purport. Devotional service, however, does not depend on material. And then he says, but those who are engaged in fruitive activities, karma kandi, on the material platform, the times and seasons mentioned above are extremely congenial. So it's it's finding, it's understanding that balance there. Okay, so we're going up to 29. So 25. During these periods of seasonal change, if one bathes in the Ganges and the Jamuna, Jamuna, or in another sacred place, if one chants, offers fire, sacrifices, or executes vows, or if one worships the Supreme Lord, the Brahmanas, the forefathers, the demigods, and the living entities in general, whatever he gives in charity yields a permanent beneficial result. So not necessarily totally spiritual, but some elevating result. O King Yudhisthira at that time prescribed for uh, at the time prescribed for reformatory ritualistic ceremonies for oneself, one's wife, or one's children, or during funeral ceremonies and annual death ceremonies, <clears throat> one must perform the auspicious ceremonies mentioned above in order to flourish in fruitive activities, karma activities, karma, not bhakti. Okay, the next two verses, 27 and 28. Narada Muni continues, now I shall describe the places where religious performances may be well executed. Any place where a Vaishnava is available is an excellent place for all auspicious activities. The Supreme Personality of God is, is the support of this entire cosmic manifestation. With all its moving and non-moving living entities and the temple where the deity of the Lord is installed is a most sacred place. Furthermore, places where learned Brahmanas observe Vedic principles by means of austerity Education and mercy are also are also most auspicious and sacred. And now 29. Auspicious indeed are the places where there is a temple of the Supreme Personality of God and Krishna in which he is duly worshipped. And also the places where there flow the celebrated sacred rivers mentioned in the Puranas, the supplementary Vedic literatures. <clears throat> Anything spiritual done there is certainly very effective. And Prabhupada in the purport says that the forest may be in goodness, the cities and villages in passion, and the brothels, hotels, and restaurants in ignorance. But when one lives in the temple community, he lives in Vaikuntha or Vrindavan, spiritual world. Therefore, it is said here, Shreyasam Padam. It is the best, most auspicious place. In many places throughout the world, we are constructing communities to give shelter to devotees and worship the deity in the temple. And a little later, Prabhupada talks about grihastas. Aside from this, if a grihasta devotee worships the shaladram shila, the form of the Lord as a shila or a rock or a stone, 
is <coughs> taken from one very sacred area near Nepal, or the form of the deity, or the form of Krishna, the deity at home, his home also becomes a very great place. And then he's, he seems to be sad that I guess he's referring primarily to India, but now they have given up the deity worship. Men have become modernized and are consequently indulging in all sorts of sinful activities, and thereby they are extremely unhappy. So what the, I think the essence of this point here is that environment matters. And we've made this point many times over the years in this class, how, you know, how we, um, the cleanliness of the place that we live in, because, you know, there it says the forest is in the mode of goodness. So trying to create the mode of goodness wherever we are living, trying not to be cluttered or, or, or dirty or, you know, like that. And also um, Trying to create a spiritual atmosphere, so then then it's then it is uh, vaikunta, and that's so that is something to keep in mind about our our surroundings have an effect on our consciousness, and especially if one lives in a city or even a suburb these days, one then wants to be careful to um, you know kind of counteract that with appropriate. Um, means to make at least the area of their influence a uh, a nice place it's just like you know um the bhakti center is on first avenue in in new york right a real hustle and bustle uh, area um right um but then you step inside there or you step inside the restaurant next to Divya's. um and you just feel transformed, right? It, it, it's 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 very different than than the streets of New York that you just came off of, right? So we want to uh, be conscious of that because that's kind of the essential point of the these uh, these verses, mm-hmm. uh, and especially if we can make it, you know, of course you can imagine if you're chanting uh, Hare Krishna on the banks of the Ganges or the Jamuna, especially let's say up in the Himalayas near Jamunotri or Gangotri, where the river is, you know, just coming out and it's so pristine and clear and the sky is clear. You know, it's just like uh, um, I don't, no one here on this call right now is in Delhi, but I hear Delhi is says the air, the air is just terrible right now in Delhi. You know, I was on, I was on the phone with someone from Delhi and I said, how is the COVID situation? I said, who cares about the COVID situation? You can't breathe. <laughs> you know? So, and Rupesh, you probably have family there or friends there, uh, colleagues there. So you probably know this better than me. Um, so environment is really important in our lives. So it's good to choose and create, try to create an environment that is, uh, is, is, clean for our consciousness, makes our mind clean and turns our attention to Krishna. So some points on environment and this 
discussion. Um, right now, I'm staying in a hotel. I'm across the street from the Krishna House in Gainesville, Florida. And that's closed right now because there's a little COVID going on. But I'm gaining a lot of satisfaction looking out the window and seeing it there. Whenever I go out, I take a walk and circumambulate it. You know, I know it's there. And, you know, my consciousness is drifting to knowing that, you know, there's Joganoth and um, Gorda Tire being worshipped over there beautifully. And uh, even though I can't go there, it's giving me a lot of satisfaction. Uh-huh. Nice. And we're, of course, we're lucky here in D.C. We have 12 acres of land and two cows and beautiful deities. Amazing place here. You know, when, when, we, were, when we would tell other temple presidents, well, we, you know, COVID wasn't so hard for us because we did all the programs outdoors. And they were they were jealous uh, because a lot of them don't have any outdoors, and we have acres. Well, Andy knows about them. He was putting up lights for <laughs> um, Diwali <laughs> all over the property. You're making me homesick. Yeah. Anything else? I remember, um, Kenari and I were driving. Um, sorry, Go ahead. driving to my my uh, mom's place, and uh, we. I think loaded up some podcasts from ISKCON and I can't remember, uh, you know, who exactly, but um, it was kind of in the middle, like really in the heaviest part of COVID. And they were very, um, I think, frustrated with a lot of the regulations in place. Uh, I, I was kind of happy to hear them talking the way that they, they were. They, they uh, you know, they sounded almost uh, you know, if, if you had taken certain components out, there, there, there was a libertarian type of <laughs> aspect of how they were talking, you know, as far as like, I think just not understanding some of the, the severity, some of the stuff applied to religion, but yet we can go into Walmart. That's okay. You know, it was, it was kind of interesting. I well, like yeah, there's a spectrum of uh, of uh, devotees of Krishna on pretty much any topic, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that. But uh, it's I like, just like that they, they they didn't take like a docile stance. It was pretty uh, uh-huh. cool. Yes, Shushil, you were going to say something, Prabhu. Hare Krishna, Prabhuji. No, Prabhuji. After a long time, I joined. I was in Corona and so many things ongoing. Why in Dallas? Uh. My my Virginia temple. You're missing Virginia. You're in Dallas. You have Radha Kalachanji there, so that's nice. Temple. Yes, Prabhuji. I attend to the um, uh, Govinda Hill Puja and the uh, Giyarati and all those. You know, Prabhuji. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. And is that is that a, a parking lot behind you, or what's behind you there? What no, it's a picture. It's a picture. I oh, put picture. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Very good, Prabhuji. Nice to see you. Rudas, were you going to say something, Prabhu? Yeah, I used to know obeisances to everyone. I used to know a devotee who lived at the Potomac Temple. He's long gone now. <clears throat> but um, you walk into his Brahmachari ashram room, which you're familiar with. Uh, and there would be uh, wall-to-wall pictures of Prabhupada, the deities, and uh, his room didn't reflect that condition at all. It wasn't a sacred space, but it would anything you tried to say to that 
personality uh, seemed to uh, fall on deaf ears. I was just wondering if you have a mixed environment like that, um, what's what's the uh, verdict? No, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I have enough details, but we should try not to make it mixed. We should try to make it 100% nice. I have the opposite. I'm living in that ashram now, and I purposely don't have any pictures on my wall because I'm I'm living here. You know, I'm I'm um, and I don't want my you know when I go to sleep at night, my feet facing Krishna or something like that. You know, so I have uh, yeah, just pictures on my desk and things. Okay, so to bring that a little further, is the goal to make every living space within your house or every yeah, to make it like a temple? No, or... not necessarily. The goal is to make it, well, first of all, clean. That's the first thing, right? Because clean is in the mode of goodness. And then there, oh, should, yeah. there should be a place where we can chant, perform our devotional activities that really helps us have our mind fixed on Krishna. Prabhuji, I have a question. Yes, in picture in the room we are sleeping if it is in the in our head side or our opposite side body or right side or left side is there any significant only mentally satisfaction right Prabhuji? uh i i just try not to have my feet facing a picture of krishna for me it just i get really mental if i have it like that me also same thing i was yeah. in our head or the table or our it is okay but feet not so good <laughs> no. yeah yeah um, yes, but it's it's nice to have a place to answer Gurudas Prabhu's. It is nice to have a place if we have a, a large enough uh, or yeah, even if it's big or small, a place where we can do our bhajan, do our worship, you know, our, our our chanting and our reading. That is really kind of a sacred corner. You know, um, that's that's really nice to do that. Now, if you have a big enough house where you can dedicate a room to that, that's great, right? Um, if you can't, then maybe you can find a corner of a room to, to do that, right? And this, this reminds me of a question that we have regarding chanting, right? Do, what, what's, is there like a, a, a set amount of time that is considered ideal for chanting one round? No, it's not a set amount, but Usually, uh, anything under five is too fast, and anything uh -huh. over anything over nine is probably getting to be a, like, "Are you sure you're not sleeping through half your round?" <laughs> Eight or nine. So you you know, um, I've always thought that a comfortable number was somewhere between six and seven and a half, or six that's and eight. Pretty, that's pretty fast, right? I mean, you're because I, I feel like. Um, if I do it's it, it's like, not a it's not a race. I come in around ten minutes. And... That's okay. That's okay. If you if you feel that you're focused, that's fine. Yeah, the, it's not it's not a race. It's just that often one I find when I've been chanting for a long time, uh, my rounds do get a little quicker. And I and uh, so for the last five days of Kartik, I chanted for a long time each day. And, and I notice I'm going quicker, but there's nothing wrong uh, if we're, you know, the idea is to hear every syllable and let the mantra. It's interesting. I, I, my experience I had, and I was listening to uh, 
a talk by Satyananda Swami about this, um, is that there's, I find that there's, especially when I'm chanting a lot of rounds, there's these two, two different things going on. Sometimes when I really have to make a concerted effort to hear the holy name and, and to try to focus and, and bring the mind back to whatever I'm thinking of. And then there's other times when I feel like I'm just like floating down. Uh, I don't know if everyone's been to Ichimtucky. Is that what it's called? Near Gainesville. It's a river. It's just very uh, mellow flowing river. Very, very mellow, right? So you can just kind of, you know, lie on your back and it just takes you down, right? And so sometimes I find that, that the mantra almost like carries me and I don't have to make much of a concerted effort. It just kind of, it's there. And I find that I oscillate between those two. But generally it takes, you know, some concerted effort at first to focus yeah. on, on the name. Would you say that um, you've, you've ever had any, for, I, this is an extreme word, but like ecstatic experiences doing it or extremely peaceful or, or something? Uh, Definitely. Such I that you felt I, like, like definitely this is there's there's something here there's something absolutely for me i can say that i don't know if others want to speak up or definitely for me um not that i'm a great soul but i probably wouldn't do it if i hadn't had those experiences mm -hmm. i've heard henry say oh i had such good rounds this morning honey bowl right yeah he sometimes says that yeah yeah i'm not saying I have, but, the, but that's what devotee means when he says I have good rounds. That, that's kind of built into that um, expression that, that somehow or other Krishna made those rounds go a little smoother, easier, faster, nicer. Yeah. Chanting is a relationship, ultimately. You're trying to uh, develop a relationship with Krishna. And so it's a, uh, it's not exactly a conversation, but it is trying to uh, chant with sambanda. Sambanda means relationship and, and, and with some desire for attaining um, the service. That's, you know, that's one of the translations, the main translation Srila Prabhupada would give us. Oh, oh my Lord Krishna, oh energy of Lord Radharani, uh, please engage me in service. And, and service means relationship, right? You know, you serve another person, <clears throat> right? It's just like, just like, uh, one of, one of the devotees in the ashram here, uh, I saw him boiling some water. And, and I said, oh, you have, to, you have to boil it, you know, over like we have a little stove here. Uh, and he said, yeah, one day I have to get uh, one of those little kettles, electric kettles, right? So I immediately went into my room, went on Amazon and ordered a kettle for him. That's a little gift. They're not expensive. Um, and then I was a little bummed out this morning that I went and it's not going to be delivered for a few more days. I thought it was going to come today. But uh, my point was that I wanted to do some service, but service for a person. Right? I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to handing it to him, you know, uh, as a gift. So, so service is to a person. So we're, when we're chanting, we're actually asking Krishna to give us uh, service to him. It's meant to be a relationship. So, uh, the, the interesting thing about your question, Dean, is it's kind of counterintuitive in one sense. Almost like the less we're concerned about having an experience, the more we have an experience. <laughs> yeah, to some extent. Um, but yeah, our, our rounds, our japa is meant to be alive. It's meant to have some juice. 
and juice comes from reciprocal relationships. Okay, should we try to do one more verse? Let's see. We did, we, we covered a lot of verses today. I'm actually quite happy. Uh, okay, we'll try. We just read, oh, 29. So let's at least read 30 to 33. It's long. The sacred lakes like Pushkar and places where saintly persons live like Kurukshetra, Gaya, Prayag, uh, Pulahasram, Naimisharanya, the banks of the Falgu River, Setu Banda, uh, Prabhasa, Dwaraka, Varanasi, Mathura, uh, Pampa, Bindusvarovra, Padrikasham. The places where the Nanda River flows and places where Lord Ramachandra and his and Mother Sita took shelter, such as Chitrakut, and also the hilly tracts of land known as Mahindra and Malaya, all of these are to be considered most pious and sacred. Similarly, places outside of India where there are centers of the Krishna conscious movement. Now you start to say, where's that in the Sanskrit? <laughs> Similarly, places outside India where there are centers of the Krishna conscious movement and where Radha Krishna deities are worshipped must all be visited and worshipped by those who want to be spiritually advanced. One who intends to advance in spiritual life may visit all these places and perform ritualistic ceremonies to get results a thousand times better than the results of the same activities performed in other places. So this is the power of the holy, uh, the holy place. And uh, Prabhupada translates Archa Asrita, which means Archa means the deity, and Asrita means to take shelter. And then, then he translates it places. This is in the word for word places where the deity of Radha Krishna is worshipped, such as big American cities like New York, LA, San Francisco, and European cities like London and Paris, or wherever there are centers of Krishna consciousness. So he extrapolates a little bit there, but totally in line with the Sanskrit. O king of the earth, it has been decided by expert learned scholars that only the supreme personality of God and Krishna, in whom all that is moving or non-moving within this universe is resting and from whom everything is coming is the best person to whom everything must be given. So that's where I was going to read that whole purport. So let's not try to rush things. We only have a minute left. Um, but again, this what we the verse we just read is the importance of places, of places, the, all these wonderful places that are mentioned, and you do feel the shakti of different places. Prabhupada mentioned that when you, even a person who's not devotionally inclined, if they if they come to Vrindavan, Mathura, they feel something. They feel something there. So thank you very very much, Prabhu's. Um, we will continue our studies next Sunday, Krishna willing, and we will enter into the last chapter in this canto. Hare Krishna. Amazing. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thank you.